on this episode of AV Week, virtual events, focusing on getting employees back to the office safely. The value of regional shows and Digital Signage Expo is no more. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 475, recorded Friday, September 25th, 2020. Free ideas. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Kramer, AV Beyond the Box. And by Draper, focused on innovative solutions. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered for this week. First and foremost, you know her as AV Dawn, Dawn Mead. She is an industry expert and an end user, so welcome, ma'am. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So Dawn is on the East Coast. That's about all I can tell you. Uh, this other young lady is, also, is on the West Coast also an industry expert and an end user. Welcome, Meg Ciarini-Smith. Welcome, ma'am. Hi. Thanks for having me, Tim. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, also with us is Mr. Christopher Hope. Christopher is in the Loop Lab, or from the Loop Lab, up in the Boston area. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Tim. Absolutely. And last but not least, my buddy Keith, Keith Kennedy from Grand Being down in the Orlando area, I believe. Correct. Thanks for having me, Tim. Absolutely. Uh, so let's start off the first story this week. A uh, bit of sad news uh, out of the exhibition space. Digital Signage Expo has canceled this year, has, has closed completely, actually. Uh, in addition, the showrunner Expo Nation has filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. That includes liquidation of all the assets and closure of the company, according to a response from the company. show was first launched in 2003 and had become a fairly popular destination for the digital signage industry. Don, we'll start with you on this. What does this say uh, about kind of the, the state of, I guess, trade shows and stage uh, trade shows in general, but also the, the exhibition and the, the staging uh, industry as it sits right now? You know, I, I hate to say it because it is, you know, already September, but it's only September. This, I think, is going to be one of the first of many, unfortunately. Um, this pandemic has, has really hit the world so hard and has so disrupted the economy of so many places and large gatherings being banned, or even if they're holding them, people afraid to go to them. Um, unfortunately, I think it's going to take a long time for both the expo, exhibition, and trade show market, as well as the, the concert, live staging, live events market to recover. Um, I mean, even my own company, we would hold large quarterly meetings sometimes or special events where we would, you know, gather lots of employees in one place. All of those have gone virtual. We don't even have buildings worth of people working at the moment. We still have scattered one or two people here or there actually going into the office. So, you know, I hate the term, but the new normal, at least for the next few years, is going to be we're just not going to have this market, this field. And, and, and unfortunately, a lot of companies are going to go the way of exponation. I wish there was a way to solve that because that's a significant, ch not exponation, but like that vertical is a significant chunk of our industry. And, we, you know, we, have, we all probably know a lot of colleagues and friends who are either out of work or on the bubble right now as a result. Um, I, 
it's not good. So let's hurry up and find a cure, folks. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that was one of the things that, looking at that, you know, there are uh, folks that, that do, you know, events um, that support that, you know, uh, here in the States, you've got Freeman, uh, which is one of the bigger ones, but you also have a lot of folks that are just uh, simple, you know, not that are contractors for, you know, an, a certain area. Uh, you know, we were supposed to all be in Vegas this, this summer for Infocom. And, you know, a number of those folks that we hire, you know, the, that, uh, you know, um, the other trade show uh, publications hire uh, that are there as, you know, W-2 employees. You know, they're, they're simply, you know, they, uh, not W-2, but W-9 employees where they're, they're contractors um, and they're, we're seeing a lot of that go away. Uh, Keith, I'll, I'll start with, I'll, I'll continue with you on this. Uh, you go to a lot of trade shows, probably more than me. Uh, what does this say about, uh, about trade shows and exhibits and live events going forward? Well, I mean, a lot of what Don said is, is correct. I mean, you, events are shut down. Travel is shut down. I mean, you, you know me in normal times. I fly a couple hundred thousand miles a year, and I haven't been anywhere since the end of February, um, which is very strange. But, um, you know, we're going to see a lot of changes. But at the same time, do we need a separate show for digital signage? I mean, in the beginning of any uh, new technology, new market, yeah, you have things like that that pop up. I mean, I remember going back to the 90s when home automation was new. We had separate shows for home automation. You don't have that anymore. It's part of CD. It's part of ISC. It's part of everything else. So digital signage is an AV IT technology. Um, it's part of Infocom, it's part of ISC, it's part of Avixa. Um, and there are huge sections of those shows that are concentrated on it, concentrated on it. So, you know, I think that a show like that is one of the first to go um, when you have something like this happen. Uh, it's unfortunate. Um, I know we all love to gather at these events, um, but there's, there's going to be changes. Events will come back because you cannot replace them. Um, that's evident by the examples of virtual events that we've all, um, been part of recently. I know yesterday I just signed up for virtual Zoomtopia. We'll see what that's going to be like. Um, but you know, I think that we'll get enough of what we need to for the digital signage industry through the rest of the trade trade shows. And we need to focus on how do we, how do we do these trade shows as soon as possible and make them effective? Yeah. The one thing that, that I would uh, offer from, from other exhibitors and not, this is not my words, but I, I've, I've asked that same question because DSE was um, predominantly a smaller show, right? They, they averaged around 4,000 for, for contrast and comparison. Infocom was roughly 40. ISC at its height was, was 80 this year, was a different year. Uh, but in, in 2019, it was at 80. The exhibitors that went there, and, and, and these are not small exhibitors. You're talking about NEC and Peerless AV and, and uh, JVC, um, Lagrand AV. They went there because of that clientele. The DSC did a really good job of getting the end users and the creatives together. And I don't know that you're going you're gonna to find that um, that same concentration necessarily in, you know, at Infocom or, or ISC. Certainly, and, and I would say ISC, they did have Hall 8, which back at the Rye, uh, if you've never been, uh, Hall 8 was the one you went into if you were 
if you were um, if you needed some some light in your life, uh, it was quite bright. It was nothing, but it was it was all the, the LED manufacturers and and a lot of the digital signage stuff. So um, right. yeah, I'd be interested uh, to see what happens uh, coming out of this. Uh, Chris, we, we'll bring this to you. What, what does this mean actually for the for that industry uh, for the digital signage industry? I mean, Keith mentioned the yeah. fact that we can get it. You know, we can still get that information from Infocom and other other trade shows. No, absolutely. I think what you're going to see is, you know, in the midst of crisis, in the, in the midst of challenges that we're, you know, we're facing in trade shows uh, here in 2020, I think you will see more more companies that are going to essentially be, uh, that are going to come up and be uh, what I call virtual concierge companies, right? So they're really in charge of the customer service aspect of bringing what was an in-person event to, the, to a virtual experience effectively you know another one company like that is soundings connect which uh, you know connects organizations with freelance meeting and event talent to to actually help guide uh some of these organizations to moving uh, some of their expos that are in person to online and so i think there's still a chance or opportunity for um there to be some kind of digital signage expo I mean, if not from the actual uh, company because obviously it's, it's filed bankruptcy or filed for bankruptcy but i think that from some other sector or space such as evixa or some other entity that could uh tap into um making this a virtual event where people are really going to want you know draw draw attention to and want to come and attend online yeah absolutely meg that brings up a good point is, is how do we get um you know those creatives together with the technology with the technologist uh, as well as kind of the clients, you know, um, is it something where, you know, either a, a VIXA creates a, a separate show or somebody else comes along? DSF, by the way, the, the Digital Science Federation, a, a group, a, a nonprofit organization that DSE helped right. found is still viable, is still is still out there. I want to make that clear. So that right. organization is still is still working in, in their, okay. those members as well as, as the chair. Um, but who takes over for this? So I think if the DSF steps up, they've really got an opportunity to do something that maybe wasn't <clears throat> as well achieved before. Um, I know that the big shows are always like the family reunion for our industry, right? No. We always get together um, and we see, you know, who's working for who, who's moved down two stalls and who's completely changed their vertical. Um, Meg has never but, been to a trade show, but <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that is totally what happens. <laughs> yes. um, so, um, for, for me, what's, what the DSF has opportunity to do is to bank on the community aspect. Mm. Right? Um, I agree that maybe we didn't, we, maybe we didn't need a show completely dedicated to digital signage, right? But if the DSF can partner with Avixa or partner with, um, ISC and do like educational outreach across all vendors so that they maintain that community of those of us who are impacted by digital signage. But let's be honest, digital signage and LED in general is one aspect of an ecosystem. Right. So it's really when you see these big shows, like ISC is hands down my favorite because it touches everything, you know, um, and you can start seeing how you build your own ecosystem at one show. Um, there could be case studies. The DSF could really get into maybe hosting local tours across the world for individual regions. 
Um, I have no affiliation with the ESF, by the way. I'm just throwing out ideas. But, um, you know, for me, since we can't travel, um, and actually even before COVID, I would argue that it was so imperative when making a decision about the technology we're going to use, I wanted to see how other people had used it, right? How did your previous customers, you know, do you have one that doesn't have an NDA, right, that you can share with us or that they would be willing to talk with me about their experience, right? And then we, so, you know, um, across a few times, we were able to go view and install that had, that was public, right? That was happening, that we got to really talk with the people who were already using this technology. Um, and that made a community of people where it's like, oh good, now I know that if I run into a problem with my system, I have contacts, right? I have, um, you know, people that I don't need to go straight to the service people, you know, of, you know, the vendor, um, that I can try to figure it out myself before spending money on a service tech, yeah. right? Um, so the DSF to me and, and how we can move forward on trade shows, maybe not so specific, but really making those halls their individual worlds, right? Or having those big sections like Avixa has their big tabletop or their education session at ISE, right? Where people meet and have, you know, little, they go on their own little tours um, or maybe even doing a conference that's in partnership with ISE or Infocom, similar to how um, the XR Summit was happening at, um, at ISC. So that's where I could see the DSF trying to fill that gap of taking that very centralized and very specific information because it is needed. It's absolutely needed. I need focus on those areas and not just general vague salesy terms with maybe a product specialist on a booth. I need an engineer there, you know, so maybe the DSF can really assist in bringing the community together that way, but at one of these bigger shows. Yeah. I, I don't know why I didn't think about this. I didn't put this in the notes, I ended up, but this just popped in my head. Is this maybe the start of those regional shows? Uh, and, and I mentioned that because uh, the fall for, for us here at, at Aviation is, um, I do not travel nearly as much as, as Mr. Kennedy, but, but the fall is kind of the start of, of our second round of, of travel, which typically has included New York Digital Signage Week. Uh, our buddy Adrian um, from Daily Do puts that together, gathers folks around uh, from around the country and, and kind of a little bit around the world. I mean, the, he's from the UK, so that kind of counts. Uh, and Russ is from Paris, so there you go. Uh, but, but that is a, a federated show. Right, and, and um, it's not uh, under one roof. It's several places around the city. Granted, New York is kind of the place in the states where you would go to for, for digital signage outside of Vegas, let's be honest. But is this something where we're gonna see more and more regionalized shows, uh, like, like, like Meg was talking about, where you can still bring the technology, you can still bring the engineers to the end users and to the te technicians, um, but smaller. Um, you know, more, uh, more condensed, I guess, and more safe. I would, I would hope so. Sorry, I'm going to jump back yeah, in. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to be at a very big trade show and then you've got your scheduled time, you know, that you've worked ahead that, you know, that you're going to meet with those specific vendors. And that works really well in the case of international travel. Like some companies, they're based in Germany, right? So the closest thing, like, Getting them to the U.S. is very expensive, right? But, you know, 
getting us to meet in the middle somewhere in Europe helps cover costs and you can do a million meetings at once at these big trade shows. Yeah. But when I want to sit down and go through specifics, then that means I have to schedule that. I have to, you know, put money into that. They have to put money into that. So what if they do big regional city tours or, you know, work with their clientele to say, Hey, if you're willing, you know, let's work together. And, you know, even, you know, because competition's one thing, but once you're installed, it's another to be able to go see it somewhere and then get that one-on-one -on -one time with engineers. That's magic. That to me as an end user, that's what I really, really want is I need to sit down with the people who really know what is going on at a deeper level so that I can make the technology choices um, with the most information. I don't want a talking brochure, right? That's not what I'm there for. Um, right. So I hope they do regional shows and do big city tours because then, you know, at least we could get somewhere relatively safe. Yeah, it's similar to what's been done with some of the stadium tours um, and, and also going back to something you mentioned before with the DSF, if you look at what goes on with, I think it's called Educause, uh, yep. right before Infocom, the education market has their specialized sessions revolving around the big shows at uh, isc they have a big building automation um, session that they do so there's no reason why you can't build other programs in and around these things if you're already gonna be in vegas for infocom for three or four days to make it five or six and really you know, dip your toe deeper into one of these more important verticals, the one that's important to you, uh, and that's great. But, you know, you mentioned a 4,000 person show in Vegas. I mean, that's a lot to, you know, for, for somebody from California, it's not that big of a deal, but for somebody from the East Coast to go to Vegas for a, a show that you can basically blow in and out of uh, in a day, is a lot where you can build that in and you know avixa and isc and and others have been proven that they can get end users to those shows i mean look at the look at who goes to to these shows you have people from universities from corporations uh from military all those types of things um i think we may even see you know like the, another specialized show that happens here in orlando every year right after Thanksgiving is ITSEC. I mean, is, what's gonna happen with ITSEC? Well, I think this is, I was gonna say, this is something we've talked about though, over the years, both on AV Week and on AV Social, my show, when we're talking about the marketing aspects is, you know, COVID aside, there's a place for ISE, Infocom, the big mega shows that draw people and when you go to those traveling from the East Coast to Vegas or West Coast to Orlando, it is a cost of uh, investment. And you do only, unless you're, you know, manning a booth, you usually only send like your owner, your top couple of engineers, right. maybe a sales guy. There's a place for that. You can walk from one booth to the next and say, okay, compare product A to product B, apples to apples right here. Let's talk, you know, overview. That's the marketing speech that, that Meg mentioned. But there's always also been 
all the manufacturer or distributors, some manufacturers, um, you know, rep firms that host their own little, we always called the mini infocoms. And they have them in all the major cities. And, you know, here in the Baltimore, D.C., Philadelphia area, any given time, there's a couple going on, usually after infocom, once all the new products are released, then they come and bring it. So that the folks that got to go to Infocom can get a deeper look, can talk to those engineers, but they can also bring all of their techs. The guys that drew the short straw and had to stay home and man the customers while we were off partying at the trade show. You know, and, and so the smaller shows, they, are, they do exist regionally. They're just not usually hosted by your VIXAs and your, your bigger organizations. They're, they're more, I'm a rep firm and I'm going to put all of the companies I represent in a ballroom, come and see them yeah, and we can yeah, talk to engineers. Right. But there's no yeah, reason right. why Avixa can't step in and do that. I mean, Cedia has been right. doing that for the last number of years where they have Cedia regionals, they call them something else else now and it went private, then Cedia brought it back in and it's done in conjunction with the reps. Uh, they It's done very well. Um, so I, I agree with that. Even yeah. even stuff like what um, AV Nation sponsors or other AV, um, marketing or uh, publications, uh, AVIT Summit, when we get, you know, you get to go tour a facility and really see that technology being used. And, you, you know, like for anyone who hasn't done it that way, getting to go there and, and that isn't even sponsored by one of these great firms that could definitely be something where, you know, a gap gets filled where it's, you know, along with one of these big shows or the regionals, it's like, hey, if you come to this regional show, you also included in that is we're going to go to a facility that displays this kind of technology or this kind of technology or this kind of yeah. technology. You know, Absolutely. And, and just for clarification, AVIT Summit, that was, that was Megan Dutta's SCN. That wasn't us. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll just I, add I don't it. need to get a call from her. I'm just saying. Sorry. <laughs> Megan Dutta's, sorry, SCN, really good job. <laughs> I, I, ahead, I just echo we'll some of this. up on this. We'll go, we'll go yeah, no, no. yeah, I was just going to add this sentiment that I, I think there's an opportunity here in the sense that, yes, I do agree that there's a chance for us to move into a more regional model and really having the, uh, an organization like an Avixa really kind of sponsor that or, or move that forward. You know, this idea of, for example, just using it as an example, because you started with Adrian's work with Digital Signage Week. Uh, in New York, or D- Digital Signage Expo, rather. It's one of those things where for a lot of folks, it's a great opportunity to l- learn more about the industry, but more importantly, buyers to be in the space to you know see n- new products, get to talk to vendors. Um, but for the most part, it was also a challenge for some folks in the sense that you know there are limited numbers of companies in New York, so you're traveling across country. Yeah. You know, it, it can be expensive depending yeah. on where you're located and your budget. And so the regional, I think, is a better way to kind of approach it. And I think that if you're able to add on another component where I've been to a lot of these trade shows, it's been great meeting people and networking, but I know that to feed, to truly feed these expos and these events, you have to have buyers, right? That's, that's, that's the true lifeblood of this. And I think there is a chance here for the industry to really focus and hone in their messaging to those buyers. Um, to these smaller regional events. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we're we're going to drop the last story, guys, but we'll we'll cover one more here. Uh, a couple of different things. Uh, our friends over at AV Magazine, they're doing an event on October 2nd called AV Works. Um, it is, or, or in the UK, but it's a virtual conference. They're bringing together uh, experts from Midwich, uh, Argent, Bloomberg, Google, and a whole lot of others talking about how AV will help companies get back into the office. In addition to that, Alma Pro AV uh, announced their fall E4 event uh, this week. Uh, and just as like they did in May, they're doing a virtual event called Almo E4V, October 27th through 29th. Amy Nation, Rave Pubs, and 169 uh, are all creating content for the three-day event. Our part, uh, is we're focusing on the future of work, future of meetings and, and events. Uh, Keith, I'm going to start with you, and I'm actually going to end with, with the ladies because they're both end users getting their two cents on this. Uh, but how can how can AV be used to get the employees back to the office, but to get to do it safely? How can you be used to get people back to the office? Well, um, I mean, we've been using AV and technology for the last six months to keep our businesses going and keep contact with our customers and um, you know our fellow employees and all that going. And it's been, it's been, you know, lifesaver. I, I tell people, can you imagine if this had happened five years ago or seven years ago, what would we have done uh, without all of this stuff? So I think it's kept us all connected. So we're not going to be starting from scratch. Everybody's got these relationships going. So what, what we're going to do as people start going back to the office is continuing to use the same technology so that we can be in the office and we can collaborate with um, smaller groups, um, socially distanced in larger spaces. But as we need to have larger group meetings and company uh, town halls and things like that, we'll use the same thing we've been using all along to host those things and be able to uh, you know, continue the lifeblood of communication. Absolutely. All right, Christopher, uh, same kind of question is, is where either uh, inside the Loop Lab or, or you're hearing from your integrator friends, what are folks saying about getting, you know, helping folks get back into the office safely? Yeah, that's a good question. Some of our work is uh, being done with Red Thread. Uh, big shout out to Red Thread, which is an AV integration. Well, they have an AV integration um, department, but for the most part, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a professional space furniture company essentially. Um, and so uh, one of the things that we're seeing more and more is being able to strengthen a site's uh, AV capabilities with understanding that most places are going to be reentering with the hybrid model. So the, the telecommunications becomes really important. So the folks that are being in the office, which in many cases we're seeing more and more, um, you know, if your last name is A through G, you get to come in offices on these days everyone else is working from home. And so you're, you are seeing uh, more investment being made in the software to make that, make it happen where people can still have their weekly meetings to talk about results or to talk about different initiatives and projects. Um, I think that, you know, AV works is going to be an incredible opportunity to, to hear some really great people. I'm familiar with Greg, Greg Jeffries at the visual displays and, Jeff Fairbanks, um, who's going to be speaking from Bloomberg, but I, th I think, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting for me as someone who is obviously doing on the workforce end, in that we are preparing our students 
uh, with future proofing skills that are going to be needed to maintain the AV equipment that's going to be installed in many of these facilities to be able to install effectively uh, this, this equipment and software in these facilities. And those are future proofing skills that I think this next generation of AV folks are going to really need in order to uh, have a sustaining and thriving career in AV for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. That's a really good point too, is, is making sure that we can, you know, help our, our, our folks, you know, continue employment. And, and I'll throw an added, uh, add yep. on there is that I think it's even more critical that, you know, there's going to be a huge windfall of finance, financial windfall in the sense of this kind con- this technology being um, installed, inserted, but also the need for it to be maintained and operated. And obviously with that, you have a workforce. I want to make it as much as possible one that is equitable, one where women are largely included in that space, where people of color also are largely included in that space. And, and so that's why I do what I do with the Loop Lab. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Don, uh, both from what you're hearing in, in your colleagues, but also your, your work itself, what are, you, uh, what are you seeing and hearing about getting back into the, into the office? Well, it, you know, it's, it's multifaceted. So not just my industry that I can't, or in company that I can't tell you about is considered essential. Within that organization, my role as an AV person has been considered essential. So I've been working nonstop since all this started, just a lot of it from my couch or my home office, going in when necessary and being one of the few folks in person. But what we've been really slammed with, we're ordering and deploying a ton of little webcams and home systems like on the wall room kits for some of the executives to sit at home with the you know professional microphone professional speakers displays all of that um our facilities folks you know when you have a giant organization you always have a few you know banner rooms that you use for all the big meetings your auditoriums your executive conference rooms the big rooms that sort of thing And then we just have tons of little conference rooms and spaces all over the place that may or may not have AV. We're spending a lot of time and a lot of money right now putting AV in those rooms so that as our workforce comes back and we have to socially distance, you know, we have one auditorium at the location I'm at that usually seats 250 to 300 people. Putting it, putting the chairs out in COVID approved spacing it's a 50-person room, if that. Ooh. So in a case like that, equipping some of these smaller conference rooms and spaces that we don't normally use with technology and using technology to tie it all in, we're able to bring workers safely back and socially distance them while still having them as an active for real part of the meeting. Um, and we can tie in the workers that are still at home using you know, Zoom and, and similar Um, technologies. So all of those things are what's currently happening at my place of employment, and I'm sure a lot of other large places of employment. Um, And I also have been getting a lot of emails from manufacturers who are bringing out more and more what we, when I was an integrator, we called it the hospital gear that, you know, was sort of anti the sealed units that could go in and get splashed with biological whatever and wipe off easily, that sort of thing. More of that shifting into the real world that isn't hospital world. And we're also getting things like, you know, displays at the front of the building that automatically take your temperature. So stuff like that, I think some of it will be a gimmick. It'll be a short-term boom. 
but there is definitely a lot of tech work currently going on, AV work going on currently at the big companies just to get our folks back, not just to keep them working while they're gone. Thank you. We have the, the last word on this. Um, so number one, I, I love that, um, that they're doing this because on top of a lot of our, our veteran AV workforce, um, being out of work, uh, especially those on the front lines, right? Like techs actually going in and servicing, um, stuff like that, you know, um, there is a younger generation that just got out and is just getting in to some of this. So, um, you know, this is a good opportunity for them to realize that there's a community, which on every single one of the shows that I'm on, I harp on that a lot, that we as an AV community really do come together in a way that I don't know that a lot of other people have. And that comes from every vertical. But um, I, I think that some of the conversations that they plan on talking about and uh, to kind of echo Dawn's point about there's a shift in technology right now happening so that we can return to work safely. And that's provoking new innovations like uh, touchless control, right? Um, which that may sound like a gimmick now, but when you think about the concern, or when you think about the ramifications of that in a accessibility uh, point of view, that's not going to go away because now you've just given a whole new set of parameters to um, to people who may not have the same kind of functionality that you know um, that another human might have. Um, so seeing how that's evolving is really fascinating to me, and that's a whole branch of different technology coming to light and helping us get safer at work, right? So coming back into an office and using uh, technology to facilitate communication, you know, um, it's, it's getting back to, back to that whole idea of what are we trying to achieve by meeting together? Um, and what can we do to make that as, you know, facilitated as possible? Because um, even just going back and meeting with real people, it takes maybe five minutes to come to a decision in a hallway um, or at the water cooler that I would have to normally set up like a 30 minute, uh, you know, virtual conference for. Uh, that human interaction and that human connectivity, um, there is no replacement for that. That's who, you know, we're not bionic, we're not, um, you know, we're not yet at the at the level to where webcam body language is uh, a, a thing. Like, I can't tell when one of you is gonna, about to speak, right? And then we do that weird, awkward talk over each other thing and be, oh, go ahead, go ahead. You know, um, <laughs> it's not, you know, versus being in person where there's a cadence. And I don't know that technology can can or should replace that cadence. We should be facilitating the safety aspect. Splash Guard product is awesome. I think that's great. Um, you know, but I think that's the, if, if companies are going to, you know, start working, that's branching out into a whole new innovative territory that they have not done before. And someone's got to have the courage to make that investment because we're not getting out of this anytime soon. No, that that is for sure. So uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, thank you all so much. Mr. Christopher Hope, thank you, sir. Thank you so much, Tim. It's always Absolutely. a pleasure. And uh, where do people find you or the Loop Lab? All right. People can find us online. We are located at www.thelooplab.org. 
And you can always reach out to me. My email address is chope, C-H-O-P-E, as in hope and A-V, at thelooplab.org. All right, very good. Ms. Uh, Dawn Mead, thank you, ma'am. Thank you for having me again. And uh, I can tell you, cannot tell you exactly where I am, somewhere between Philadelphia and Northern Virginia. I'm in hiding, working for Redacted. But you can always, always find me online, Twitter, Insta, Snapchat, all those things, at AV Dawn. And you can always find me here on avnation.tv, popping up on Tim's show and other shows, and of course, hosting AV Social. All right, very good. Mr. Kennedy, thank you, sir. Thank you, Tim. Always a pleasure. Uh, How do people get a hold us. of you if they so choose? Uh, you can find our website at uh, grandbeing-usa.com. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Hi-Fi Keith. All right, very good. And last but not least, Amanda Sierini-Smith. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for having me, Tim. It's always a pleasure. Um, I am on Twitter at, uh, you know, uh, oh God, I can't remember, Makina Meg. <laughs> uh, there we go. That's my name. Or uh, LinkedIn, Meg Sierini-Smith. Um, so either one of those, I'm always there. Meg's pretty awesome, except for the fact that she's a Red Wings fan. So. Hashtag AV Ninja. <laughs> but can i also just say it's good to not be the only girl this time so yay meg go. <laughs> i'm wearing pink today never mind i'm not even gonna say that all right and blue uh, you're you're uh, gender neutral my i am gender neutral yes and blue um all right uh my name is tim albright don't follow me on the twitters because as i mentioned meg's a red wing fan i'm a blues and a bears fan don't ask um, but uh, go by the website if you would please avnation.tv that's avnation.tv you'll find this program and a host of others while you're there check out our underwriter section these are the folks who help us financially help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and our coverage of Cedia and a whole lot of other things uh, stay tuned to the site as well because we've got some interesting partnerships coming down the pipeline that uh, we think you'll be interested in and uh, starting around the First week, maybe even before Thanksgiving in the U.S., uh, we'll roll out our annual awards. Um, so stay tuned there at the website. All that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.